0: Good morning. Yeah. I'm not so sure how good a morning it is. Amari's <laughs> freaked out. I guess I shouldn't be, huh, Randy? God is Helios, right? I hope so. <laughs> I'm not sure I can this morning, man. This is a interesting passage. Say the least, and I'm always thinking things would be easier than they are, and then they end up they are easier than they are. I make them hard. Does that anybody relate with that? They really are easier than they are. I make them hard. So, but before I read the passage or before I tell you some introductory thoughts about the passage, I want to. I want to see if you did your homework. You know, Mike gave you homework last week. I said, "Look, I wanted." <laughs> he 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 asked you to remember the four G's, right? So you saying with me? God is, uh huh. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> God is with me. God is in me. Good is All right, one more time. God is... All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Which one are we going to do? <laughs> okay, we're going to do with first. God is... God is... Good. Now, we should do a little punctuation of that, right? So it should be God is... That's what we should be doing, yeah. Okay, let me read the passage. So, we're calling this the teaching today, um, walking in love, but it really is still part of that stuff Mike started last week, which was uh, walking in light, but light and love are sending it, I mean, light and love kind of are parcel and parcel, they go together, so Let's hear what John has to say. If you have your Bibles with you, if you don't, the insert, where the insert came from, I realized I didn't, I did put it there. So it's 1 John chapter 2, but verses 3 through 11. And the way I memorize it is 1 John chapter 2, 3, 11, which is a band, but I, I really probably in a band, Travis, I should be saying here. Right? <laughs> That's how I remember it. All right. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says they know him but do not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk. In the same way in which you walked. Beloved. I'm writing you no new commandment. But an old commandment that you've had from the beginning. An old commandment is the word that you have heard. And at the same time it's a new commandment. That I'm writing to you. Which is true in him. And in you. Because the darkness is passing away. And true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So Mike, just asked me a question. There, there is a command, command here, and how do you get get around the commandment with the, doing this? I think um, about five thirty this morning. I figured it out. I didn't figure it out. It, it was, it was. It was revealed instead of on me. And, and that, not that I have, me and God had a conversation and my face is glowing. It's not that. It's, it's 5.30 in the morning. I'm awake and reading the scripture. That is, you, 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 you know that, right? You know that. You know that. Cause I'm staring at the passage last night at 8, 9, 10, 11, finally 1.30. I'm like, I got nothing, man. I'm going to bed. Not at 1:30. I went to bed a little earlier than that, but I woke up this morning and laid, "Yo, go. I think I, I think I think I understand what's going on. so I propose to you three ideas. I stole this from that from the night thing or the or the mountain dew or something live like live like Mike, live like Christ, the law of love and drifting in the darkness. We'll talk about those three things this morning. Um, it could be quick. It could be long. I can't guarantee you anything this morning. All right. I will start out like this, though. I will ask you this question. I want to see hands all the way back. How many of you know your spouse? Think you know your spouse? If I ask you, put you on. If I put you on the dating game, or no, what's the game? The uh, newlywed game. You would be able to answer questions, right, Tammy? Okay, all right, all right, we got it. We got it, all right, Travis, your lady's not here, so you can lie man you can, you can lie you know, yeah i I got it <laughs> okay, How many of you think you know your kids well okay all right, all right, and how many of you think you know at least three other people like friends, really well, like you 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 know them well, okay, all right. All right. So when he starts this passage out, this is the the notion that he's thinking about in terms of living like Christ. and The opposition is saying they, they, they know Christ, but there's some things missing. Um, I think about it because I'm a nerd, and so I know two authors. I know a lot of authors, but I'm a contrast, too. I know Dan Allender. I've read everything Dan Allender is written, but I don't really know him. You understand what I mean by that? I can tell you what's in the books. I can tell you why I love Bold Love. I can tell you why I love Wounded Heart. I can tell you why I love um, the marriage book he wrote. I can tell you why I, I, I especially love Leading with a Limp, but I don't know Dan Allen. Now, if anybody read Perfect Parenting of you know the Myths? probably nobody's read that. Okay, okay, my wife's read that. Okay. But the author of that book, which actually is a national book that's actually gotten some pretty good acclaim, except it looks like not here. <laughs> except the author's from Vermilion, right? And he was a professor of mine, and I know him. I know who he is. I can tell you if you came in the room, you'd know him because he'd have a black leather belt on. He'd have some sort of khaki pants on with some really butt-ugly shoes <laughs> that are very comfortable, like Rockport or Clark, you know, some really what I call old man shoes, but they're really comfortable. He'll have a button-down shirt on, long sleeve usually, and then he'll have a some sort of uh, like uh a, a armor or something, sort of black jacket over the top. He'll kind of shuffle in. And if he was in this group, he wouldn't say anything. He'd sit in the back. And but when you met him, he would be very kind to you. And what you wouldn't know about him is he's a two tour duty Purple Heart, Vietnam vet. Um, he's a doctor of psychology, but you wouldn't know that because he is—he don't put that stuff on his sleeves, you know. But if you listen to him carefully, you find out this guy's a genius, right? I know him, okay. And matter of fact, my wife, when I was doing my doctor, called me Little Frank Mang. Now that would tell you something. Cause I went and bought me some rock Rockports, which I still think are butt ugly. No, no, I ain't no genius, no. You got that right. You got that right. Thank you for humbly knowing me. Uh, I appreciate you put my business in the street, Randy. So I'm out here pretending is what you're saying, right? Alright. No, I don't. I, I I'm not. I, I got rid of them. <laughs> that was a phase I was in, right? So, I had to, you know, I went through that phase for about ten years, and I'm like, no, dude, I, that's this is crazy. So, the first thing I want to think about is, is is understanding that if you know someone, you you know their opinions, you know their passions, and you even know their faults. You know what challenges them, and you know what their politic is. You know what their, you know those things, and you know those things. You know those things. The text says, if anyone claims to know the Father well, they ought to live like Christ. Here's my question. How do you live like Christ? What's he mean there? Does that mean be holy and sinless? And to the death, courageous, just, and righteous, and perfect? Because if that were, if that's what that means, I guess we're sunk. If that's what that means, we're up a creek, without a paddle, without anything. And I can tell you when I first became a Christian, I thought that's what that means. I, I thought we were being called... To a holy, sinless, courageous, I used to spend a bunch of time thinking about what I'm going to do when the day comes and the guns to my head and the church runs out and I'm the only one standing. If I'm standing, would I stand for Jesus? And I had a loving brother who was, who was 20 years in the face and said, dude, you first got to learn how to live for him. First, before you stand for him, you got to learn how to live for him. And I'm thinking about if I'm going to die for him. But if that's what we got to be, then we're up a crook. I probably ought to finish preaching now. We, we just call it a day, right? But I don't think that's what he's talking about. I, I don't. I don't think that's all he's talking about. I think there's some things Jesus does we can't do. There's some things that he does. Those are the things he does you or I can't do them. But I do know this: what we can begin to do is learn to emulate. The thing we can imitate is learning to live with the notion that the Father in heaven is loving and gentle. And Mike taught us, and and we continue to teach here at Hope that God is Helios, and the Scriptures actually say He is Helios to our wickedness, which is a really crazy way to think. Let me let me put it in in. In English, not Greek, God is graceful, cheerful, gentle, loving, and responsive in the face of our willful disbelief. Now, you notice I said disbelief and not disobedient. Why? Because disobedience is the fruit of the tree. The fruit issue. To outcome, disbelief, or believe, or in my terms, to trust, is the root of the issue. See, if I don't trust, then I'm not going to sit under his teaching. And that's what obedience means. If I don't trust God to be a loving, responsive, caring, joyful in the face of my willful goofiness, then I'm not going to sit under his instruction which is obedient which is following the commands which is imitating Christ. I'm not going to do it. But God is Helios. We can't live perfect but we have been given the opportunity to live in peace. The scripture says the wall of hostility That at one point separated us from the love of the Father has been torn down by the life, death, and resurrection and blood of Jesus Christ. We were enemies of the kingdom at one point in time. Not necessarily even because God doesn't love us, but because we don't understand God's loving. So then if he's not loving and he's somebody I have to be afraid of, then I make myself I put myself in opposition. I oppose him, and I think I'm right. I think Paul thought he was right when he was killing Christians like roaches. I killed another roach today, and then God revealed to him, and he didn't shame him. He says, "Son, what are you doing? Like these are this is this is family." He said, "What? It's family. They're my kids," and I'm, I'm not ever sure Paul ever. Was able to shake that. He understood he wasn't under condemnation, but he had to live like a, like a veteran does with what they, what they saw and what they've done. So we're not perfect, but we have the capacity to have peace with the Father. We can't live holy, but we have the capacity to hold our wickedness in one hand. And hold trust that God loves us and loves our hearts in the other. I can't be holy in the in the in the religious sense of holy, but holiness is if being living separated from this notion that God is a punisher, if holy is come into a place to consecrate my life to understand the grace, mercy and love, then Holy would be holding my wickedness and trusting that the Father is who he said he is through Jesus Christ and living there in the face of ugly circumstances at times. Live there in the the face of my ugly and crooked willful behavior at times. To know that the Father smiled he's cheerful. That's crazy to me. There's a part of my brain that still says, this is stupid, dude. Are you seriously buying this? Because it seems foolish to me. But there's another part of me that I would never leave it again. There's another part of me that's compassionately committed to it. We can't live sinless, but we can live secure that nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. Did you hear what I'm saying? Can't live sinless. Now there are there are people out there in Sioux Falls and Rapid City in Kansas City in Chicago and New York that are preaching from today we can live sin free. I don't think that's true. We can't live sinless, but we can have security that the Father love. Father's love is permanent. When there's nothing, the other way I say that is there's no thing that can separate you from the love of God. So you see, um, what John's trying to say is if you really know the Father's heart for his creation, then you would reflect that in grateful imitation. John's targeting a complaint not directed at the family, not directed at believers, but those who presume to know God's heart. I stole this line. A heart touched and exposed to redemptive love is a life lived in humble submission to grace. That's crazy, right? A heart touched and exposed to the redemptive to redemptive love is a life lived in humble submission to grace. Live like Christ, y'all. Secondly, I want to say, learn the law of love. He says in the passage, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but the old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true, authentic in him, and true and authentic in you. Because darkness is passing away, and true light is already shining. Now, if you hear those, those metaphors in there, John's saying to us in an indisputable way, the fogginess of darkness, the wandering of darkness, the stumbling of darkness, the blindness of darkness is fading. And with just a small glimmer of light, we're already starting to shine and show the glory of God's love, His mercy and His grace. The law of love. What? The commandment, He tells us this. So I, I, I've started looking around. So what, what is this commandment? Well, it's old or new, but I, I did find in John's earlier writings in the gospel, he's, he says this in, in chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. He says, let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I've loved you, you are to love one another. So I'm thinking this, okay, we can make that an idol too and start doing this. I'm supposed to love Travis. I don't like the dude, man, so how am I supposed to love him? You know, I'm supposed to love Randy, man. He just talks tra- trash about me in front of everybody, man. So, like, how am I love him? You know? But it seems to me that love is must be a response. It's the result of understanding the Father's position with us. If that's true, then we understand we have the acceptance to be willing to live in our truth. Remember, Mike tied two opposites, bad versus truth. Dark, bad, truth, light. So we have, because God is Helios, we have permission to live with our truth. The good, the bad, and the ugly of it. The good, the bad, the ugly of it. We, are, we, we live with our truth. And because Jesus understood he could live with his truth with the Father, and he could talk to the Father about his fear, he could talk to the Father about his joy, he could talk to his Father about his being pissed, he could talk to his Father about his heart churning, he could talk to his Father about the lack of compassion. And then he shows us that. That allows us to have that. And that allows us and challenges us to allow those around us to have their truth. We don't run from a God for fear of judgment and criticism. I can live in my truth because my truth isn't being judged or criticized. Or condemned. What about you? Day in, day out. That's the battle. Paul promises us. That's an everyday battle. You can't win it on your own. You can't get in the ring and wrestle it on your own. You have to understand that the Father loves you. He's Helios. That he is gentle, loving, joyful, cheerful, happy. He's fond of you. In the light of your willful disbelief. And as that's being transformed, he knows where we're going. Matter of fact, Mike showed us last week that the acts that grow out of disobedience are wiped away. They don't exist. It's not forgiven. It's not, well... Randy, you that thing you said to me just a few minutes ago? You know what I mean? I'm I'm a Christian. I'm going to let that go, man. And really what I'm doing is I went got my secret notebook out and went, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. I got that one. I'm going to let him go. And God's going to look at me and smile because, see, I let that go. I'm going to hold God hostage because I let that go. That's not it. That's not it. If I'm really going to forgive him, i got to wipe it away. I can't wipe it away if I don't have love for him. If he scares me, I hate him. I can't wipe it away. So, judgment and criticism and condemnation is the scary thing. We are to learn, therefore, to suspend judgment and criticism when we deal with people on the everyday basis. He's challenging us. It's not so much a you oughta. It's a, it's one of those kind of things that there's a story that I read to my daughters called Humphrey's Honey Stand. Now, I don't mean to treat you guys like little kids, but it's a crazy good story for little kids because it shows, it te- it's, it's about a real parable in the scriptures where this servant has a debt canceled. He's running a business and then this other guy owes him only this much of the debt that he owed the other guy and he throws the guy in jail. Right. And the spirit of the story is those who are forgiven much forgive much. And those who believe that they can he honestly said to the judge, I think I can pay the debt off. Now this was an impossible debt. And the and the king forgot the debt. And he walked out of it. <laughs> I'm clean, but he didn't really understand what had just happened. But for us, the law of love means I really do understand what happens so I can suspend judgment and criticism with others. Because Jesus experienced the Father as gentle, he can be gentle and even playful with Peter, with John, with Paul, with you and with me. The other thing that's interesting about this implication of love is that Jesus seems to always be aware of the Father. He seemed to always constantly have the Father with him. On every occasion you see, He's taking time, and it looks formal. He says, I'm gonna take time to pray. Right? You guys work every day. Some of you guys are a stay-at-home moms. Some of you work in different careers. Let me ask you this question. Does anybody in this room do what I do? Do, do you talk to yourself? If just just so love for JC. If you talk to yourself, raise your hand so I can see. Oh, you're yeah. here. Then I'm not crazy. We all crazy. <laughs> we talk to ourselves, right? We talk to ourselves. I'm, I'm I'm doing something at work and I'm thinking, stupid, What do you, do you know how to do this? Now, that ain't good talking to yourself, but but Jesus seemed to have a running commentary he was not he wasn't talking to himself, he wasn't divided, so his conversation was with the father, but he still had human stuff, so he got mad, he got irritated, he got annoyed, and he so he would say, "Lord jail, are you serious, God?" And he might even complain, David did even David would say, "Hey man, I'm standing in the cave. you better do something." Because I've been standing here for two days, man. you got to get him. And he would put it out there. David, the guy who had the affair, the guy who killed people, but he's also the guy that said he's the man after God's own heart. How can that be? He understood this. So because Jesus understood the Father was gentle with him, he could be gentle with them. He could be present with them, just like God was present to him for him. When he was on the cross, when he was in the garden, he prayed. He talked to the Father. Amen. I met the first reason I became a Christian was because I watched a Christian talk to the Father. Not do like this and get on one knee and He said, Can I pray with you? And I did like this. I dropped my head and folded my hands. I was in the laundry room and I had one eye open. And you know what my eye was open for? because I hope no fool came in here and see me doing this, because I'm just doing this for this dude, so he'll leave me alone. So I'm praying, yes, Jesus, yes, make sure nobody's coming. And as soon as I heard the door slam and he was praying, because I didn't even see him, right? I'm just, I thought this is what you do. And I'm looking, I heard the door slam. I act like I wasn't praying. And he he kept talking, and when I looked up at him, he was he didn't have his head down. He was like talking, to, like he, like like the dude was in the room. This this dude called God must have been in the room because he was talking to him. Be, hey man, this knucklehead over here, G, JC, you know we want him to. He, I hope you come to his heart. He's talking blah, blah blah. And I'm like I'm just like. <laughs> and when I seen that. Then he looked at me when I, when I changed up. The dude came through. I was, I was like folding my underwear. And then he came back through. Then I went back to my pose, And he just looked at me and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. See, I'd have been telling him I was a Christian. I wasn't. I was this dude. I was saying I knew the Lord, but I didn't know him. And I was responding because of judgment, fear, condemnation. He knew a God who wasn't condemning, so he wasn't ashamed, right? A real example would be in my life now is I heard my daughters talking one time when they were in high school. My daughter Carly, she was telling her friends, well, me and my dad are going to go to the mall together. She was like a junior in high school, and her friend said, you go to the mall with your dad? And she said, yeah, I like going to the mall with my dad, and they, they, they were, they talked to her like that was crazy. You know? But when you love someone and you don't experience that, you want to be with them. You don't care. You know? Me and my daughters have fun when we go places. And, and they don't walk 10 miles ahead of me. You know? Unless they're with their friends and they act like they don't know you, but, you know? So, you can be present. That, that's the other thing. You know, so Jesus knew how to be present. He knew how to be present with Judas. Because God was present with him, he knew how to be present in the face of a person like Judas and still love him. He knew how to be present and pursue Peter when Peter was on the run because he was embarrassed and ashamed. He knew how to be present even from the cross to John. And he said to John, he encouraged John from the point of crucifixion. John, I'm putting you in my spot. Now look at your mom. That's your mom now. Take care of her for me. He knew how to be with them. He knew how to be with the disciples after he came back. He knew they were all, Thomas was like, "Nah, man, Jesus ain't back, man. You got to be kidding me, dude. Like, pff, I seen him, man. All cut up, stabbed in the side, blood coming out, splitting to gone. He said, no, nah, man, Thomas. He, he said, Thomas, come here, man. I know how to be with you. Stick your hand in there. It's me. He stuck his hand inside. He said, see my wrist? Look at my feet. It's me. He knew how to be without judgment, without criticism, condemnation. So the challenge is, the challenge is then to learn how to be with others. Christ knew how to speak in and walk with other people. He's challenged us to walk with people. And he's also challenged us not just to walk, like John said today, going to the banquet or whatever, but not just to walk with our family, because in America, that's what we think. The family's the idol, and the only people we care about is our family, not just our family. But we're to walk with other people. And I would argue this, that you may be called to, and, may, and I would argue not even may be called to, but that you're going to be invited to walk with people who've experienced, who are coming out of similar paths of darkness. That's why those fellowship circles work. That's why Bible study works. That's why 12 steps work. That's why those things work, because I'm wired to walk with the people that I understand their darkness. That's why you come to church, because there's something that ties us together. Donald Gray of Barnhouse said this, he wrote, to sum this, this point up. Love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long suffering is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love holding the reins. Let me see that again. It's crazy good. Love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Gentleness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love's, is love holding the reins. Learn the law of love. And lastly, he writes, Verse 9 through 11, um, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, walks in the light, remains in the light. And and in him there is no cause for stumbling. See light and darkness, well, there's some difference. I mean, he describes in some detail then what stumbling is about. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, does not know where he's going, and because it's dark, his eyes are blinded. Mm. So lastly, love is to light. What hate is to darkness. Last week, Mike said light is seeing and doing truth, which I I still walked away with that. I thought good was versus bad. But it's bad opposite truth. He said light is seeing and doing truth. And being able to see the Father as gentle. As dedicated to being a secure source of loving kindness to us. That's light. Darkness is doing evil or soften that to doing bad, <clears throat> but it's the inability to see our gentle relationship with the Father. Actually, what the word darkness implies is gentleness with the Father is concealed from us. Um, we're unable to understand the Father and his loving kindness for us. We're unable to see that God looks at each and every one of us in the family. And what John says, which is crazy, is not just for us who are saved, but the world, everybody. He did it for not everybody has, not everybody walks in the path, but he's fond of us. I stole that from, um, what's the movie? The shack from the shack. I liked that grandma. Now, y'all might not feel that like I do but I was raised by my grandma. So when the dude made God a grandma, I'm like, "You, I'm in, though. You don't have to do anything else because that lady I live with. And when she said, laughing with that chuckle, I'm fond of you, I got that. I had my grandma and two other aunts that were fond of me. Now, my one aunt, Jen, was fond of me so much so that Anytime I went to see her, I had to wear a kiss on my forehead. Now, here's how really fond she was. If I brought Randy to my house, as ugly as he is, she would kiss him on the forehead, too. And I'd have to warn him, too, because he can't refuse it. Like, you get me into all kinds of trouble if you don't go to my Aunt Jen's house and accept the kiss, man. So, here's an old lady, black like lips, nice, soft lips on your forehead. And we both walk out to my, man, come on, man. You know, but, that, but that's that's love right there. Right? Kindness. So, he's fond of us. So John actually says, if you say you know God, you say you know the Father, and fail to value or regard or have compassion for a brother or a sister, then you're still really in the dark in regards to who the Father really is. You're still clouded. You still don't really get it. It'd be like Mike it's sitting way in the back, because I know that's where he was sick, because I know him. And Randy sit up front so he can heckle people. I know him. Okay? But it would be like example, Mike and Randy say they know me. And they say, I'm fond of JC. And then Randy claims to believe that I love Kentucky. He don't know me. Or if Mike says, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. I don't know where you get that, Mike. You obviously don't know me, man. Or if they, if either of them thought I'd go to Spearfish just to work, <laughs> they don't know me because they know my fly rods in the back of my car. And as soon as I get a break, if I, even if it's 20 minutes, I'm in because cause it helps me get away from things, right? But if they don't know, if they believe that stuff, they don't intimately know me. They don't know me. Um, And maybe they don't know me because I haven't been intimate with them. I haven't told them those things. But if they claim they know me and I know them, I know some things. Like I know this dude is as nutty a Kentucky fan as you can get. Yeah, I know Mike is cannot... He cannot, and I don't want to say can't stand it, but as soon as he gets done here, he's trying to get out of the church as soon as possible, right It ain't because he don't got love for you guys, but he put it all out there, and he's done. Now, I'm see y'all later, and I know that I love the dude for that, okay, but he's saying darkness has if you don't really know someone, then you're in the dark as a matter of fact john John finishes the section by clarifying for us the experience of darkness. And what he's saying is to not understand the Father is loving, gentle, and kind. To not understand that the Father is Helios is to understand darkness. And to understand darkness means you understand that you are trapped, stumbling, wandering, and blinded. And my idea is like this. To be without the Father's love It's like being trapped in a room with three linebackers, about 6'8", 330 pounds, and they ain't smiling at you, okay? And it's dark, and one of the linebackers' name is Judgment, and the other linebacker's name is Punishment. And the third linebacker's name is Condemnation. And to be trapped in the room in the dark. Now, see, I've been, I've been in the mountains and other places where it's pitch black, dark, but the stars shine. And if you, if you just sit in it for a while, you can see. Anybody been there before? You can actually see. You you know, you might not be able to see right in front of you, but you can see the horizon. You can see shadows. You can see. But I've also been in Plankington in a solitary confinement room, and you can't see. In solitary confinement, you can't see. Because they paint the windows, they paint the, it's black. And you're trapped in that. I've been in Sioux Falls jail in the solitary confinement union. And, it's, and that's not painted white, that's just dark. You can't see. You can't see your hand in front of your face. It's dark. And so he explains it. Let me just finish with telling you three characteristics of darkness, because maybe, I mean, I think we still go in and out of that experience. But here's what it looks like. So the first verb he uses is stumbling. And the notion of stumbling is to be trapped in the dark and not see the rocks, not see curves, not see not see things that would cause you to stumble and trip. But it also implies this. To be trapped in the dark is to be triggered by fear. Right? And what am I afraid of? See, I can't, I have to imagine my own behavior and then I have to, the linebacker's coming if I don't get it right. And I, and I'm afraid the linebacker's coming and I don't know which one's gonna hit me. I hope punishment doesn't hit me because that's gonna really hurt. But if judgment hits me or condemnation hits me, that hurts too. And if they hit me, I'm falling, I'm stumbling. And to some degree, we all wrestle with that. We wrestle with that. But the idea of stumbling is to be tripped or to trip. Now, I don't know if any of you guys do this. I'm walking down the street, step on a rock about this big, roll my ankle and look around first to see if anybody saw it. Right? Right? But when you're in the dark, you don't care who saw it. You care, you can't even see what got you, right? Stumbling, bullied and pushed by the three bullies. Wandering then is movement with no sense of direction. And understand this, it's a wandering, but it's also in, it also is the, the experience of lacking the awareness of who or what. Is my travel guide, right? Because see, in the darkness, I'm not connected to anything but myself. And and some of us in this room are deeply connected right now to that. But no, God can reach into that. Can reach into that. But what it is is, I'm wandering around. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I've been. I can't see what's coming. I'm afraid. The linebackers are going to hit, and I'm not real sure how I'm even navigating this darkness, and I can't, I can't, I don't know north, south, east, or west, and I also don't know who's leading me around by my nose, but somebody or something is leading me around by my nose, and I'm telling you it's not the father, and we could jump up and down about the devil. But I hate to tell you, it might be if you look close enough, it's your own hand leading you through around, and you think you know what you're doing, and you don't. Because that's the experience of darkness. And then lastly, blinded. You know, I was driving to Mitchell one day. I consult with a group in Mitchell last year in the winter time, and I was driving to Mitchell, and I'm telling you, I couldn't see farther than 10 yards ahead of me. Now when you can't see 10 yards ahead of you, you're not driving 80. And nobody's driving 80. Because you can't see when you might drive up with somebody and and 10 yards is too close. By the time I see you, I'm probably going to hit you if I'm going 60 or even 40. I couldn't see to the right or the left of me. Only thing I could see is the white stripe, the next white stripe that was coming. The implication of blinding is that. It's to be clouded or foggy, to have my vision veiled so that I can't see the things I need to see. Right. So John is telling us that Darkness has the impact of causing stumbling, wandering, and blindness, but the light creates clarity, direction, and gives you the opportunity to recover from the bounce. If you stumble, you fall, you're in the light. Darkness makes us run. Light is attractive. We don't come out and shine and show God how good we are. We we come out so we can see clearly what it is that's messing us up. We can behold it clearly. The law of love. Walking in love means three things, I think, you guys. I think it means we learn got to gotta learn to live like Christ. We got to learn That love is a reflection. Love is the result of coming to understand. The law of love is coming to understand that the Father is Helios. Coming to understand that the Father is gentle, that he loves us. And our response to that is gentle, humble, loving submission. I was trying to explain it to one of my colleagues and I said, you know, when you... When you come to understand the law of love and that the Father is love and that, uh, second, or first Corinthians 13 isn't a, isn't a prescription, but it's a description of how the Father loves us. You are willing to sit under the sensei. It's like a karate master. And, and, and he says, come into the dojo. And you're like, yo dude, what, what do I got to wear? Well, you got to wear this crazy white outfit that too short and too, but a black belt that don't fit and, and, and do this a whole bunch. And you say, yes, sir. Okay. And he says, now I'm going to teach you how to kick. I'm going to teach you how to swing. And you're like, I can't do it. Now you're going to do 18 push-ups on your knuckles. I can't do that. And you do it. You work. And it ain't easy. And, it, and, and, you, and you struggle. This isn't magic. But the law of love then begins to transform you because security transforms you. You endure. You follow the commandments, not because you ought to because you should, but because you want to. And walking in love, thirdly, means I understand what it means to drift in the dark. I understand that, and I'm called to help other people who are in darkness come out of the dark. And I'm not called to shame them or guilt them out of the dark. If I walk in the room, my light will shine. There's something attractive. I finish with a crazy illustration about that. So I'm working in Denver. I just become a Christian. I don't know anything about grace, but I know life is better and God is good. And, but I, I'm, I'm still working under law. But but here's what happens. It's weird. I don't get know anything about grace. I'm just a believer and I'm trying to be sinless and good for Jesus. And I take this job as a janitor, and I'll, and my job is in a really a building in a in a biz, in a uh, military building that's as big as this property, I gotta go and vacuum little cubicles of generals and empty their trash can. And I probably in a five-hour time empty probably a thousand trash cans and vacuum their ground. That's all I do. So I'm vacuuming the trash can. I work first night. It takes me about eight hours. I, I, I get to work at I get to work at at six or seven. I'm supposed to be done at At uh, at eleven, and I, and I'm, and now I'm wondering if I'm gonna be able to catch the bus home because I'm there so late and I'm crying, I'm mad because I, this is taking too long. But eventually I get it down where I'm done. We get paid for five hours whether we work five hours or not. So I was starting to get done now in three and a half hours, four hours. About four hours I was done. I could leave. And so I'm vacuuming one day, and I don't say nothing to nobody. Now what you gotta understand is that summer I had just become a Christian. So I'm not saying anything to anybody because I don't want to be no Jesus freak fanatic fanatic dude. Like I'm not that dude. I'm not. I'm not gonna be the dude screaming at people. So I got my little Gideon Bible in my back pocket, and I'm, I'm vacuuming. And this guy comes up to me, and he was my supervisor, and his name is Joe. He he says to me, "Hey Jay, what up?" I said, no, nah, I'm just just getting stuff done." He said, "I see you get your job, you." You're doing a nice job with your job. I said, yeah, it's easy to <laughs> <do>. <laughs> vacuum in your trash can. That's it. That's not dog rocket science. This is easy to do. He said, I watch how you work, man. I said, oh, all right, whatever. He said, you're a Christian, ain't you? I said, oh, man, come on. I, I'm thinking in my head, I don't even want to go there, man. Like, I'm not trying to go. How did you even know that? He said, you're a Christian, ain't you? I said, man, I don't really want to answer you on that. He said, just tell me the truth, man. I said, yeah. I said, but I haven't doc- talked to anybody. I haven't said anything to anybody. I'm just trying to do my job. And then he said something to me that was really cool. He said, I said, how did you know? He said, I could tell by the way you work, man. And I said, well, yeah, but what else? He said, well, I used to be one. And I have I went back to using drugs, and, and now I got a job. And he said, I'm your boss, but you inspired me because of the way you. I could see the Lord in you. Isn't that crazy? I don't know nothing about grace. I'm a knucklehead. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm three months in the, I just put my, I just got my uniform. (laughs) You know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm putting clothes over the top of the uniform because I don't want nobody to see it. And he says to me, you, you're a believer, aren't you? Like, and I cannot tell you how many times that's happened where I've tried to keep it on the down low and people ask me. I mean, I'll be presenting secular material and people come up and say, that principle you just said, man, I know where you got that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> what you talking Why I always act stupid. Like, what you talking about? See, you're a believer, ain't you? I said, yeah. He said, I know it's where the scripture is, where you got that from. They, they don't even know you just gave them scripture. I'm like, well, I sneaks it in every once in a while. <laughs> right? So I'm going to call the worship team up, and let's do our thing, and then I'll pray afterwards. Join me in prayer. And dear Father, here's our heart. Here's our life. Here's our family. Here's what's important to us. Speak life. Speak truth to us. Redeem us from the darkness. Change our hearts. Help us to understand the four G's that you're with us, that you're in us, that goods ahead guaranteed. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.